0: Merry Christmas. It's wonderful to be together and sing such great songs and listen to the music and Scripture readings. It's great to be together in church. Let's let's pray as we come now to God's Word. Let's pray. Our Lord, we do uh, indeed want to ask and answer that question, who Who is He? Who are you, Lord? And we pray that uh, this Christmas you would give us the clarity, the persuasive reason, and the inspiration of your Holy Spirit to show us with fresh power who you are as Lord of glory and hence and therefore give us substantial basis for joy. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The uh, author of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, I've never read any of her books, by the way, but I, I hear she's written some. She has no new book out this year, but she has a website called Pottermore, which I've been looking at recently just to find out what she's been doing. And only discovered this weekend that Pottermore is called Pottermore, presumably because it's more Potter. Um, So I'm a little slow on the uptake, I guess. And on this uh, website, she's currently posting new mini stories about Harry Potter to coincide with a version of the Twelve Days of Christmas, actually. The 12 days of Christmas begins on Christmas Day, but anyway, so. And on one of these uh, little stories, which are really quite fun, she uh, confessed, not in a sort of religious way, but she acknowledged that she felt particularly guilty about killing off a certain character in this uh, series of uh, Potter stories, uh, a person called Fortescue. When you write a story and you create a character, you have a sense of attachment to uh, to those characters, and she felt bad about Fortescue. She'd intended that he would be something significant, and then she decided no, and she killed him off in the story. And she felt bad about that. She wished she could have brought him back from the dead. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Presents are bought, um, Maybe you have not yet done that. This is a last-minute warning that perhaps you should. Food is being prepared. Family comes to visit, or we go to see family. Memories are relived. Traditions once more enacted. We watch movies of Christmas stories. I shot my eye out, which, by the way, I think is a very unfunny story, but I think I'm alone probably in the whole room and thinking that. So, Twas the weekend before Christmas and the pastor preached on the resurrection, coming back from the dead. No, I have not lost my mind. Or if I have, this is not the evidence of it. (laughs) No, you did not go to sleep for six months and wake up to find that it is Easter. We are looking at this text in John because for Christmas to be truly joyful, we need to see how it has an eternally happy conclusion, ending, with me at this passage, you'll find it right there in your worship folder. This is the text, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Well, today I want to show us how we can give our Christmas this year a happy ever-after ending, one that has lasting impact, not just for a day, but in an ongoing way by connecting the miracle of the incarnation to the passionate joy of the resurrection in two ways. First, by life, and second, by faith. First, life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, this is the end of the story, or at least Jesus is now. Referring to the end of the story in this gospel. And I want us to see this year how connecting the whole story of who Jesus is can give our Christmas an eternally happy ending by connecting the incarnation to the passionate joy of the resurrection, the ending of the story. Now would you notice that here in our text Jesus does not just say that he gives resurrection. I give you resurrection. He doesn't say that. Nor does he merely offer us eternal existence. Uh, You know, you're just going to exist forever. He doesn't say that either. Jesus says that he is himself the resurrection and the life. In other words, the incarnation, God in man, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. The incarnation invests in one person the full Godhead of God, the source of life itself, the very power of life that cannot be overcome by the evil of death. John, in his gospel, is telling this whole story. He's begun with telling us how the Word became flesh, how that Word dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, referring to the Old Testament. It's now being fulfilled, these promises, how that Word in flesh was witnessed. He says, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, witnessed, recorded, for us to read. And he describes the seven signs that Jesus performed to point to His divinity. And the seven times that Jesus specifically claims divinity with his I am statements, that he and the Father are one, as he says. And here in this I am statement in front of us this morning, Jesus shows that uh, his divinity, the Godhead of God in Christ, is the power of life over death, the physical resurrection of the body, not just the Immortality of the soul, the physical resurrection of the body, and the essence, nature, and substance of life itself. You see, biblically, death is not merely the absence of a heartbeat. It is the separation from the blessing of the source of life. Jesus is life. He is the eternal I Am. And that eternal I Am was born of a virgin, born that man no more may die, as he is the resurrection and the life. Let me uh, illustrate the practicality of the points that I'm making from this passage by means of a well-known myth. In ancient times, the story was told of Icarus, I-C-A-R-U-S, Icarus. Icarus, it is said in this myth, flew too close to the sun. He put on wings and flew to his great glory and delight, but then ascended too high, and the wax that held his wings together melted, and he fell to his doom. And ever since, Icarus symbolizes a person who flies too high, Now, compare that myth of Icarus with the model of the true life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christus. It's important to do, you see, because we live, if you like, in an Icarus kind of society. We're told to live the dream. Fly high. You've got to realize your ambitions. Accumulate more and more. He who dies with the most toys wins. You've got to be all that you can be. We live in an Icarus society. Fly high. And you come to a place like this and you think, well, maybe they'll be telling me that somehow or other that's wrong and that doesn't feel too good. And we think the opposite of an Icarus-like society is something disappointing and low. Fly high or low. That's not true. The opposite of that is true life. A Christus-like Life That life comes with the humility of Christ, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Laying aside his glory, but with all the divine attributes mysteriously invested in a baby. Pudgy baby hands that flung stars into space lives to give and serve with the Spirit of Christ, dies to self and rises to new life and glory and resurrection power. This is the Christus-like life. It is the life of new birth, a life of new purpose, and a life of ongoing eternal legacy, We are now living our life for something that will last forever, born that we no more may die. Now, would you invest your life in what lasts? Would you follow Jesus' model of humility to give of yourself this Christmas time, talent, treasure? See, the path to joy is not an Icarus-like life, living the dream, accumulation and acquisition. The path to joy is realizing the happy ever-after ending of Christmas. I am the resurrection and the life, says Jesus. This baby is this Jesus, the Lord of glory. This is how we move from a fantasy of live the dream... To a grounded, empowered model of Christ like life. Let us this year give our Christmas a truly joyful ending by connecting the incarnation to the passionate joy of the resurrection. By first, a Christ like life, and then second, by faith. Jesus says do you believe this it is a question that hangs in the air at every christmas isn't it it's answered in the affirmative by martha here that much misunderstood hard working paragon of service In this place, a star of simple faith in Jesus. Yes, she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And on the basis of the word, the witnesses to the word become flesh, who saw his glory and recorded the seven signs and the seven I am statements. We too can say, yes, Lord. I believe. By such faith, we believe the whole story of who Jesus is. To give Christmas a truly happy ending by connecting the incarnation to the passionate joy of the resurrection in our own lives. It becomes something in here and not merely something out there. It moves from being merely a tradition to being a transformation, from being a routine to being a revelation of the Spirit of Christ through the Word into your heart, from just another family moment, as precious as those are, but to now a faith moment. The Spirit of Jesus, Jesus full of grace and truth, enlightens our lives. Let me illustrate the practicality of this way of connecting to the whole story of Christ to give our Christmas a truly happy ending with the following story. It is a story of how Mr. Grumpy becomes Mr. Joyful. Mr. Grumpy was one of the most grumpy people you have ever met. He was uh, well suited to his name. Grumpy on Tuesday, grumpy on Wednesday, and grumpy on most of the days in between that and the next Tuesday. Mr. Grumpy decided one day that he had had enough being grumpy. Grumpy. He was not happy with not being happy. So he went to a motivational seminar. He went to a Christmas show. He went to pet reindeer, see Center, drink eggnog, and had his Pandora app on permanent Christmas music to keep him cheery. It worked for a while, but it didn't actually change his life. Then one day, Mr. Grumpy decided to read the Christmas story, not just the beginning, but right the way to the end. He let it wash over him, through him, into him, taking in each of the components He didn't understand at all, but one thing hit him like a four-by-four covered in Christmas tinsel and glitter. Jesus, God's Son, had come to save him by taking the punishment he deserved by dying for his sins. Now he had something, something massive about which to be joyful. It's like when you're driving in snow and you shift from two-wheel drive into four-wheel drive. There's there's a hope-filled pulling power in the whole story of Jesus when you believe. You're now in the story and a part of the purpose forever. This is not faith as a positive kind of stoic determination. This is faith as personal commitment to who Jesus is from birth to resurrection. It takes then the sadness out of Christmas. Who is no longer here this year? And puts in eternal joy. Look at it like this. Perhaps uh, you know the old saying sow a thought, reap a deed, sow a deed, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a destiny, right? Now, take that saying and put it in reverse. Use it as a diagnostic. By the trajectory of someone's life, their direction, the choices they are making, what are they thinking? What is their faith proposition? The thought system, the basic attitude behind someone being grumpy versus someone being joyful. This faith in Jesus as the resurrection of life, the Jesus who was born That we no more may die transforms. We move from a stoic slogan of keep the faith to the pulling forward of a hope filled faith. It is magnetic. slipping into four-wheel drive. Our Christmas faith now is not only past-orientated, what Jesus did. It is future-orientated. He is the resurrection and the life. This little baby is the Lord of all. The wrinkly newborn skin belongs to the one who is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do we believe this when we're caught up in the perfectionism of making Christmas just right for everyone? Do we believe this when we judge our value by what kind of presents we receive this year? Do we believe this when we wake up on the day after Christmas, a day which, by the way, should the world over be celebrated as Boxing Day, like all reasonable people know? (laughs) When we wake up the day after Christmas and wonder what all the fuss was about and wish it could be Christmas every day. Of course, the ideal of it being Christmas every day in any practical sense, singing, O come, O ye faithful, until your voice is hoarse, is unrealistic and unnecessary. Plus, if all the days are the same, then no days are special. It's right and normal to have high points, mountains to which to ascend. But what if this Christmas spirit could be bottled and drunk eternally? what if in that sense it could be christmas every day how do we give christmas an ongoing lasting happy ever after ending by connecting the incarnation to the passionate joy of the resurrection through life Jesus is the resurrection life and faith. Do you believe this? He is the King of glory. And they lived happily ever after. That's the standard ending for most fairy tales, isn't it? I was interested to discover this week that uh, other cultures have slightly different, a little more negative, and to us, humorous, funny versions of that typical ending. One Thousand and One Nights ends actually with the formula, and they lived happily ever after, until there came to them the one who destroys all happiness, which is not exactly Disney. Similarly, I'm told that Russian versions of fairy tales often would end with the formula they lived long and happily and died together on the same day, which is not exactly Disney either or Pixar for that matter. After the groundbreaking success of Toy Story, Toy Story 2 was produced, initially the scripts got into trouble because it seemed too predictable. Woody, of course, was going to try to find his way back to his owner, so they introduced a moment of tension into the story. Every boy eventually grows out of loving toys, so does Woody choose to stay in a museum-like existence, looked after well but never played with, or does he risk all and go back to see if he can still find love? Christmas, the story of Christmas, also has a certain poignancy to it. Each year it feels fresh with memories, possibilities, presence, and a question. Do you believe this? That is, do you believe that Jesus is the great I am? For on the other side of yes to that question is joy. Do not be anxious about anything but rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, to find the joy of Christmas, it needs to move from just being a day of celebration, as good as that is, to something that now has a happily ever after Joy-filled trajectory, this time capsule of joy placed at the foot of your Christmas tree that speaks with a voice of resurrection and life. And finishes with a question. Do you believe this? This year, give Christmas eternal joy by connecting the incarnation to the passionate joy of the resurrection. Not just for the 12 days of Christmas, but forever. Let us pray. Spirit of Jesus, would you enlighten our darkness to see you as Lord of glory? And to hear your voice say, I am the resurrection and the life. And to hear inside our voice respond to your question, whether we believe this, say, yes, Lord, I believe. And so give us a hope. Filled joy this Christmas. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.